real life. If you hear Johnson, it looks more like this. What is up, fam? It's Dr. Dale, the author of How to Raise a Doctor, author of Pre-Med Mondays, author of Black Men and White Clothes, author of A Doctor's Guide to Self-Publishing, author of the Dr. Doc Children's Series, and you are listening to the Black Men and White Clothes podcast, the place where clinicians have the platform to share their stories with listeners like you. All right, man, look, so we had something um, different plan for this week, but I just got back from the Black Men and White Coach Chicago Summit. It was amazing, amazing. Y'all check it out. Check out our Instagram page at Team BMWC. You know, the news came out. We had a senator come out, congresswoman come out. It was on and popping. It was an amazing summit. Shout out to Sharonda Kimbrough and her team up in Chicago, the AHEC organization up there. Shout out to my team, Melissa, Trisha, Daniel. Um, and, you know, hey, it was a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal event. But really big shout out to Sharonda Kimbrough. For um, holding it down and pulling off an amazing Chicago summit. A lot of people came out, had a great time. And shout out to the sponsors, man. A lot of people showed up to help out, sponsor stuff. It, it was amazing. It was amazing. We'll have a recap video coming out for you guys soon, all right? But this is the Black Men and White Coast podcast. As mentioned, had a different video plan, different episode plan for today. But man, our keynote speaker at this event, Dr. Pierre Johnson from the Post of Perseverance, Dr. Pierre Johnson was on fire. He was on fire, right? So what we're doing for this episode is we're doing a little substitution, a little um, bump. So we'll, we'll, we'll move the episode we have for this week to next week just because we're fresh off the summit. I want you all to hear what Pierre said. Man, he was dropping fire. So this episode is going to be a lot of the highlights from the Black Men and White Coat Summit. Keynote speech by Dr. Pierre Johnson, member of the Postal Perseverance P3. Check him out on Instagram. Phenomenal stuff. All right, I'm going to let y'all get to the episode. But real quick, a couple things again. Blackmenandwhitecoats.org backslash MCAT. If you're a pre-med, we're paying for your MCATs. Not enough of you all are applying. We got the money in the bank. I want to give you the money, but not enough of you guys are applying, man. Apply for this. I'm going to give you the money. I'm going to pay for your MCAT, all right? We've got the money. It's been donated to us by various organizations and such. Um, um, individuals, Ms. Darlene Dotson being one of them, Aaron Dotson's mom. Aaron Dotson's been huge for Black Men and White Coats. And we want to give you this money to pay for your MCATs, right? But y'all just got to apply for it, right? The money's there. It's in the bank. I don't have to go get it. It's in the bank, right? I'm going to give it to you, but you got to apply for it, right? So that's one thing. The second thing is, hey, subscribe. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, right? We're in the process of really getting going with our YouTube channel, growing it, and we want you all to be kind of our troops, our main ones back in us. So hit that subscribe button. Help us grow this YouTube channel, all right? And follow us on Instagram and all that jazz too, all right? So check out Dr. Pierre Johnson. Amazing episode. You're going to love it, man. Phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal stuff. All right. Love you guys. I can put that white coat on, I can put a three-piece suit on, I can put all those things on. I'm still going to be perceived a certain way by certain people. But when I'm amongst my people, especially my young people, how do they perceive me? What are their thoughts about it? Ralph Emerson said a quote. He said that we only see what we're ready to see or what we're prepared to see. So if you don't see black excellence when you look at me, but when you look at somebody who looks like me, then you're not ready to perceive that. You're not ready to see that. 
Example, um, I get a lot of parents that come up to me, like, I want you to talk to my kid. Like, my kid wants to be a doctor. Like, my kid wants to do all of these things. Can you please talk to my kid about these things? And I look at their kid, and they're like, <laughs> and they're so passionate about their kid and what their kid, what they want for their kid. My question to them is like, what does your kid really want? Wow, wow. And the answer to that is, is if for all my young people, if your parent or your mama or your daddy wants success more than you want it, it's never gonna happen for you. Say that. So I wrote that bio a long time ago, and it said that uh, I'm the I am the product of a single mother. Um, I, I have she had five kids. I'm the oldest of those five kids. Uh, my middle brother Kyle. Um, hey, who's it? Smart, but he always drifted. Like he was always in something, always in the mix. So. Um, when he was 10 years old, like, he was just getting D's and F's and failing stuff. And my mom looked at me and was like, I can't deal with him no more. I can't, I can't, I'm done. Like, help me. And I said, okay, so this is my first year of medical school, mind you. So I took guardianship with Kyle. And uh, I took him as a first year medical student, struggling with a, pretty much a dad of a 10 year old. And so from there, I'm, you know, I'm pouring into him. Because the police were actually looking for him and looking for him and trying to get all of this information. And so they took him and they, did, they staged this entire thing. They, they took him like to Indiana and they got out of the car, they formed this argument with this female and when he got out the car, Point Blake Rage, a kid who went to undergrad, I mean to went to uh, grammar school with, comes out with a 40 million shot, right? Shot him twice. He died. So he, he runs, he's trying to get up, he's trying to move. Um, they circle back. They stood over him four times. So he didn't die. A trucker saw it, ran over, got to him, and got into the hospital. Now, mind you, at this point, I am uh, just out of residency. And so they called me. Uh, I'm flying, I'm crying, I'm you know, trying to figure it out. Like, I got to get to Chicago. Uh, to get to my brother. So I get to him, and, you know, from that point, it's like, all right, look, Kyle, you've been through all of these things. Uh, I'm going to, like you was a kid, I'm gonna take you, and I'm going to make this better. We gotta, we gotta look at your life a different way. I believe in you, man. I believe you are great. I know that you can do better things than what you're doing. So for the next year, like I, I had to pull favors with doctors. They don't really want to deal with gunshot victims and stuff, but I had doctors like work on them and do all of these things like to get them back, and I was trying to get them back on track. And at the end of that time, you know, he pretty much, I said, the only stipulation I had, Kyle, was you can't go back to Chicago, bro. Like, it's over with me. Like, we, we're not doing this. Like, we're going to be on straight arrow. It's not for you. Once he got back on the street, he was like, you know what? I, you know, I, you trying to be my dad, you trying to control my life, right? And so he went back to Chicago. He stayed there for a while, but then he went to Houston, and we had it out. Like, it was just like, you're not living the life that, you know, I'm putting into you. Like, you, you're not seeing your potential. He was doing okay, but he's like a moth to the flame. He was like, he was really attracted to the streets. 
So he would, you know, kind of hang around people, but not really be in the streets. And one day he goes to this, uh, to this little celebration uh, around my house on the south side, and you know he was just coming in from Houston. Somebody um, comes out of the bushes, ambushes, pop, shot in the heart. Lost my brother. And I share that story, and this is his, this is his emblem. I wear this all the time when I actually am just thinking about it. But I say all this to say, as much as your parents or other people can pour into you and believe that you can do something, if you don't believe it, if you don't see better for your life, it's not going to happen. And as much as I wanted to see my brother succeed, it just was not going to happen unless he saw my vision and exceeded my vision, right? A couple of different things that I want to leave to you. Ah, that's, that's sad and somber. I kind of did that to kind of wake y'all up and just understand that you have to <laughs> what's better for you. But uh, I always leave something. Just like Dr. Dale last year, he left us with some tools as far as, like, what are you going to get from this talk? And so I think about this, and I, you know, I only have 30 minutes, but... What I want you guys to take are four different things. How to be successful. What is the blueprint to success to get into a white coat? And if you're not even going to be a doctor or whatever you want to do, how do you, get, how do you be successful? Number one, is set a goal. I would not be here if it wasn't for one specific incident in my life. I was six years old. I uh, went to my aunt. She said, what do you want to do when you grow up? I said, I want to play basketball. Right? I'm from Chicago, you see Michael Jordan, you see all these things. Uh, that's what I want to do. Well, if that don't happen, what do you want to do? Uh, well, if I don't play basketball, I want to play professional baseball. She told me, do not come back and let me, or don't let me come back to you and ask you this question again, and you don't give me a plan B, something that you can control with your mind. And I thought about it, and I'm like, okay. All right, well, at two weeks, she kept pressing me, pressing me, I said, I'll be a doctor. Why did I say that? Because there was nobody positive around me that I could take and say, all right, that's what I want to do. You want to know what it was? The Cosby Show. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, as a five-year-old kid, I'm sitting there, I'm seeing death and destruction, my parents on drugs, I'm seeing all of this stuff around me. I turn on the TV and the only positivity I see is this black man with his family in a white coat and doing all these things, and I'm like, that looks pretty cool. Amen. But most importantly, that did something in my young mind at that point, it planted a seed, because now I had a goal. And that goal just really just blossomed after that. I knew from the moment I was six years old and I saw that, um, that I wanted to be an OBGYN. It just cultivated more as I realized what the profession was, but that instance where she pushed me to do something bigger than myself was one of the most monumental events in my life. So when I ask young kids now, like, what do you want to be? It is totally unacceptable for you to say, I don't know. I don't care if you're 5, 6, 7, 8, 13, 14, 15. I don't care. Oh, well, they might not want to do it. They may change. That's facts. Facts. However, what happens if you figure out, you, you say you want, you want to be a doctor, and then, like, you do research and say, I don't like blood, I don't like this, I don't like that, and I don't want to be a doctor. What's going to happen next? 
You're going to pick something else. Absolutely. You're going to pick another goal. But the point is, you have a finish line to get there. If you have no finish line, you're running a meaningless race. Right? So you have to set a goal, something that you want to do, and go for it. You spend an hour, two hours a day on social media, playing video games, Fortnite, all of these things that are consuming your time. If you are leaving here and don't know what you want to do when you get older, take 30 minutes a day for two weeks, do research, and figure out what you want to do. My own child, right? I, got, I have a set of twins. My boy is just, he don't know. <laughs> I don't, I kept bothering him. He finally came up. All right, what, what do you want to do, son? I'm going to be a firefighter. Okay, we're going to go with that. Fine, all right. But he has a goal, so I'm pushing him to have a goal. Number two, standardized tests. Right. The reason you do not see more of us here are those two words. Standardized test. It has absolutely nothing to do with knowledge. I'm going to tell you again. It has absolutely nothing to do with knowledge. We read from the same books. We study the same stuff. If you spend enough time, you will get rote memorization of all of these things. There's not anyone in here that cannot attain this knowledge. So why don't you see more of us? Because the game is standardized test taking, right? You can sit there and you can study and you can study and you can study and you can study and you can study. But if you cannot sit down for eight hours and regurgitate those facts with all of the tricks and be able to answer all of these questions, that one day will define you and it will block you, right? Trust me, trust me, trust me. Right? So when I tell every single parent, the number, the number two thing, I don't care how young your kid is, whether they're six, seven, or whether they're in high school, I have also, what can my young kid in high school, what, what can I do for my kid? Buy them an ACT prep book. Buy them an SAT prep book. Buy these things now. When you get to college, my college kids, if you want to be a doctor, you buy an MCAT prep book. You buy an LSAT prep book. You buy those things early, and you start doing them. You're going to get every single question wrong. That's not the point. The point is they can only ask you oh so many questions. It's not millions of questions. There's a finite, meaning a, a, a number of questions that they can actually ask you on a test. If you have that fund of knowledge, you go and you take that test and you do and you pass and do everything you want. That's all it is. Pass that one, pass that two, pass that three, you're a doctor. Period. Point blank. I give a story, right? So because when I, 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 I say these things and I'm passionate about these things because I know these standardized tests take it, these standardized tests have closed or tried to close many doors for me, right? So when I was in residency, I got compared to my classmates. So again, I'm from Southside Chicago, single mama, welfare, all of these things or what have you. I didn't even know what a periodic table was going into college. Facts. All right, so you, you find a kid from the south side of Chicago that goes into undergrad that does not know what a periodic table is. If you had a million dollars to bet against that kid, I would, I would put that million. I would put that million on the tool. Right? <laughs> but they didn't understand a certain thing that the passion and desire that I had in me is different. I'm built different. Right. All right, so. 
get that being said, like I heard all the time, all the time, like, look, you know, I was compared to my classmates. Like one of my, you know, when you're a residency, uh, you come, you know, you basically training for your specialty. One of my, one of the, uh, it was two, it was two Caucasian girls. One of them, her dad was an anesthesiologist. The other one, um, like her, like her grandfather was a, a, a family practice doctor. Like her, all her people were, were doctors, whatever. I'm like. That's how we're comparing this, right? But the thing was, like, well, they got this on the step, they got these on these scores, blah, blah, blah. Fine, let's fast forward. So I get out, right? I get out of residency and I get into uh, this situation where, like, I'm on call in the hospital. They call me down. It's a gunshot victim that, uh, you know, she's 30, 36 weeks pregnancy, a pregnant term. She was in a situation with a guy, I don't know what happened, he shoots her in the neck, right? So when I walk into the, when I walk into the OR, I mean pure chaos. It is like doctors everywhere. I mean, it's vascular surgeon sewing up her neck. I'm seeing blood shooting out her neck, going there, it's a fetal heart monitor on the baby, and you can see like, and I'm watching it, and I'm just like, so when we, so for, for obstetrics or, or, or pregnancy, we want to see it do this. You don't want to see it do this, right? So I'm sitting up here watching it, and everybody's freaking out. They look at me like, what you doing? What you doing? What you doing? I'm, I'm just like, I'm chill. I'm cool. I'm like, I'm just watching the blood shoot. I'm just watching this happen. I'm just like, just waiting my time. And they're just looking at me like, I'm crazy because I'm calm in this situation. And so as soon as they put the last stitch in and they stabilize her, I go in, grab a scalpel, get the baby out, 12 minutes, boom, done. Skin closed, they finish the surgery, she's fine, they're perfectly fine. But I say that to say this, there's not a standardized test in this country that right. we're testing right. to find out how right. to get that. What prepared me for that moment is being up at 2 o'clock in the morning at Xavier University cutting hair to pay bills. Right? I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a barber by trade. I, I literally cut hair in a barbershop. So with the scalpel, I am super precise. What prepared me for that moment is my, is, is my drug addicted dad and mom getting high and my dad getting crazy and checking, you know, beating on my mom and running down the side. 83rd, 83rd Street, right from my drug addiction dad in this chaotic situation. What I've seen chaos my entire life. So if you put me in a chaotic situation, oh, come on. So you want a doctor that has got 260 on the board, you these great board scores, but it's never been in that situation? Well, you want somebody that is so chill, so cool. But again, they don't care about that. Have no care. There's nothing to test to find out who you are as a person to find out if you're going to perform as a physician. That's why that's why it's so biased. That's number two. Number three, and I'm almost finished. Hey, keep going. Number three right. is your circle. Right? You have to surround yourself with like-minded people. I cannot emphasize this enough. Right? If you do not surround yourself with people that are going to challenge you. With people that are going to make it so that when you do something that is wrong, they're going to say no, right? I call you hear yes man all the time, like, yeah, you're doing good, dog. Go ahead, yeah, 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 yeah. You don't need those people. You need somebody that's not afraid, that's unbothered to tell you no, that you are not doing that right. 
right? And that circle gets really, 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 really small. And that's what you want. Because when I was at Xavier University, right, not knowing what a periodic table was, and the first semester getting D's and C's, and it's like, oh my God, what's happening, right? I found two dudes that were just, just like me, right? They knew that they had a passion to, to be doctors no matter what, right? And they were struggling too. And so what we did is we formed a pack together, right? We said, we're going to do this. We're not going to, we're not, you know, we're going to study harder. We're going to study stronger. We're going to make sure that no matter what happens, it's going to be us. It's team us all day. So that's where Post of Perseverance came from. But I say that to say that bond with them two dudes changed my entire life. It changed my trajectory because I needed that circle to succeed. And if you got a bunch of people in your circle that don't believe in you, that's telling you, ah, you can go do this, you can go do that, you ain't going to make it, this ain't going to happen, da 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 you're not going to make it. You have to. You have to tighten up, and that goes for family too. Yeah. If your family ain't on your team, they gotta go too. Yeah. Right? So that's number three. Yep. The fourth and final thing is believe in yourself. You have to bet on yourself, right? People ask me all the time, like, well, what about these loans? And I gotta say, uh, uh, you know, I can't really, what, how many years you gotta do this to do this? Like, this is what And I say all the time, like, listen, you have to bet on yourself. If you take out the loans, you're gonna be able to pay them back, right? I make hundreds of thousands of dollars. Those student loans mean absolutely nothing to me now, right? And if you work in certain areas, they're gonna pay it back for you. So take the loans out, right? But with that being said, you have to bet on yourself. You can't do that and say, all right, well, I'm done with it now. So now you got all of this debt. Now you don't have a way to pay it back. And that's because you didn't bet on, you lost on yourself. You went and pushed all in the end on the table and you lost. See me, it didn't matter what I was going through. Fail step one, I'm out. I'm betting on myself, I'm all in. Right? No matter if I, if I fail this, I didn't match in the OBGYN residency. If you heard her before, she said I did a year of general surgery. I said, I didn't match into OBGYN the first time. So I bet in all of myself and said, we're going to make this happen, Pete. We're going to make this happen no matter what. Right? But if you don't believe in yourself and you don't bet all your chips on yourself, that means sleepless nights. That means after failing step one, being up 18 to 20 hours, grinding. Right? Staying just in a room, locked down. The reason why I'm kind of almost alone or not, because I spent literally 18 to 20 hours a day at a certain point in my life in a room studying because I refused to lose. Amen. So, so, with that being said, you have to have that same passion about yourself and putting 100% effort into whatever you're trying to do because without that, you're right. You know, the time you spend is not gonna work out because for me, like what I do is not work. This ain't work. <laughs> they pay me hundreds of thousands of dollars to go and just do stuff I like to do. Come on. <laughs> you can even do one or two things. Either A, you can be Working the nine to five, going to work, not hating what you do. Having somebody tell you what to do and be like, man, why am I here? I'm just getting a check. 
right? That is your existence. For me, that existence doesn't exist because I have to be able to control my narrative. I don't want nobody telling me what to do. I want to be able to come up here and talk to y'all on a Saturday and not do X, Y, Z for money because I want to do it. You have to realize that the hours that you spend in there studying, that the sacrifice that you put in, the loans that you took out, all of the heartache, people telling you that you can't do it, people doubting you, people telling you that you're not good enough, people telling you that you're not smart enough, all of those things that you go through, all of those trials and tribulations are so you can get to this point and be a boss. And be your own boss. You want to wake up every single day loving what you do. That is the meaning of life. Wow. Not working a job that you hate. Wow. Waking up and having a purpose-filled life is the meaning of life. Being able to create a legacy. Right now, I don't feel successful. Believe it or not, all, all that stuff she talked about, I feel empty because I'm not touching enough of y'all. I'm not performing enough surgeries on women who actually need surgeries. So I'm trying to step outside of what I'm doing now to go to that next level. I'm always challenging myself. It don't never stop. Once I stop challenging myself, that means it's time to, wreck, to, to get my casket and go. Right. I have to continue to challenge myself. And if you're not challenging yourself, if you're not pushing yourself to be better and to be greater, you might as well just let it go. It's just, just that simple. So that's it. In summation, those four things, if you have to, if you don't remember, is number one is what? Set a goal, right? Number two is standardized test. It's never too early. You gotta start early, right? Because I didn't start early. If I, if I, that people ask that all the time. What would you tell your younger self? My, I would tell my ten-year-old self. I would tell my fourteen-year-old self. I would tell my twenty-year-old self. Start studying for tests, not for tests in school, but for standardized tests. Huge difference. I spent, Xavier, I spent four years at Xavier worrying about getting A's and B's and A's and B's and A's. And that's I keep hearing. I got A's. I got straight A's. I talk to my daughter all the time. I got straight A's. It means nothing. They don't care if you got a 4.0. They care if you can sit down for eight hours and do well on these standardized tests. That's what it, that's what it takes to be successful. Number three is what? Your circle. Surround yourself with like-minded people. You have to do that. Keep your circle tight in order to succeed. Number four is what? Bet on you. Bet on yourself. I'm out. Thank y'all.